Welcome, one and all, to Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open. Right this way, Muffin Skunk. Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 406, Parth Ferengi's Heart Place, comes to you now via ceremonial invoice, friends and family discount. And news from the fleet before this episode leaves orbit. Just yesterday, Pete, we were talking the Ahsoka finale, a finale of a season, of a series. I'm not quite sure, but uh, there's not another one next week, ergo vis-a-vis. Vulcan Logic tells us that's the Ahsoka finale. I mean, people have tried to read tea leaves through social media when it says the season finale or the finale you know, we've had with Book of Boba Fett versus Mandalorian Andor, etc. It's so complicated with the nature of the SAG after strike right now. The writers having just gone back to work, let's just let them figure it out. Uh, the story will continue. Uh, and certainly, Pete, some. Uh, some some sad reflection yesterday as well as the Star Wars family has recently suffered a loss. They have um, this the the second loss that of this particular production, Ahsoka, uh, is weathering. Uh, you know, Shauna Tripsick, their um, tremendous costume designer, died uh, unexpectedly. Um, there is a GoFundMe uh, for the family. She has children and, uh, you know, would would really encourage people to check that out. In other news, we will be having our Ahsoka wrap season series, whatever wrap on Friday, October 13th. Uh, so certainly get your feedback in, whether it's uh, via email or or Twitter. We'll have that post up actually probably by the time you're listening, dear listeners, that will be up there, and uh, looking forward to putting a button on that story arc. Yes, get your feedback in. Uh, Pete, as you mentioned, though the actors are still striking, they will be meeting with the studios. I believe they met this past Friday. They will be meeting again on Monday. So, you know, continued meetings back-to-back, always a good thing, despite the fact the studios have uh, been been dragging feet a little bit. Uh, fingers crossed, maybe this time next week, when next we talk Star Trek on Star Trek Sunday, maybe there will be a, a solution and an answer and so forth. I mean, hope springs eternal, Matt. Uh, encouraged, but not overwhelmingly so. But we need to get this done. We need to get all of Hollywood back to work. Pete, one more podcast note here tomorrow, Marvel Monday. We will be talking the Loki season two premiere. That's right, Pete. It is the best of times. Star Wars, Star Trek, and Marvel all in one podcast weekend, all with new episodes. Uh, This is the greatest timeline. Boom, boom, boom. Line them up. Uh, And looking farther ahead, Pete, next weekend, uh, Star Trek will have a presence at New York Comic Con how definitive that will be, I think, is still a bit uh, a, a bit in formation. Uh, certainly, there's going to be a, it's going to be heavy on the animation end. So, looking forward to discussing that as well. But Pete, speaking of Star Trek, let's debut our new pre-roll segment here. Since 
the studio since Paramount has told us that they are working feverishly on Star Trek Kelvin 4. We are now going to talk updates on Star Trek Kelvin 4. Pete, what do you have? What great news has there been in the last week? Uh, we continue to hear from a variety of sources that Paramount is fast-tracking, mainlining, whatever buzz phrase you want to put in there, prioritizing the Kelvin 4 movie that Matt checks notes uh, is in its seventh year of development. Uh, also worth noting that since Paramount announced that they're working feverishly on it they of course are not in a position to hire actors during the strike which ain't nothing you need the script first but i also don't believe there's been any big flourish announcement of the new screenwriter here's my point pete i don't know that there's much news to promote despite the fact that paramount says there's a lot of work in that direction there's nothing to promote um again beyond the length of time which is ridiculous that it's been bandied about that they're doing this there's the additional complication that let's say they get it all done matt they're going to run into such brand confusion with characters in the kelvin timeline in a movie with some of those characters several of them in season uh, three of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It's, Pete, it's a remains to be seen situation, but we will be looking for updating this situation each and every week that we talk Star Trek. So uh, fingers crossed on that. For now, let's head into the ready rundown for this episode. Program complete. Enter when ready. On a Ferengi ship, arms sails are out and peace is in, as per Grand Nagus Rom. But the ship is under attack, albeit with one Ferengi lower decker, Jeef, saying things are right on time. He was told he'd make a profit, as the pearlescent ship fires, destroying everything. On the Cerritos, there at Ferenginar, to gasp, see the planet join the Federation. Admiral Vassery is ready for a cakewalk of a signing ceremony. Freeman quotes the rules of acquisition. Rom and Lita arrive with a ceremonial bust and invoice. Vassery can't see that he's being given a soft touch for a very hard deal. Who likes baseball and adjusting numbers? It's a classic dumb cop, reasonable cop routine. After lots of shifting numbers, let's shift to the palace, another negotiating tactic. At the palace, the Frankie contract now reads that the Frankie have access to all Starfleet ships. Freeman ups the payout with one more provision. Signing bonuses require the Frankie to recruit one more planet. Rom signs yes, but the fine print says the planet is Kronos. It's impossible. They've been swindled like true Ferengi, and it's proof that the Federation respects Ferengi culture. And if you can believe it, the Ferengi are on a path to being part of the Federation. Meanwhile, Rutherford and Tendi are having so much fun fixing the shuttle Sequoia, and Mariner has no worries to share with Boimler. But good news, Lieutenants JG, you're on travel guide duty. Hit the bars, museum, bars, sites, and bars. Boimler needs to make an itinerary stat, and Ransom needs two people to play a romantic couple. Tendi and Rutherford are up. The four shuttle down with Rutherford and Tendi leaning into the partnership, but please don't share toothbrushes, ick. But they can't leave because they're getting a great deal. 
the honeymoon suite has hearts everywhere, and who's up for a sexy time photo session? After formal wear, there's lingerie. They end up going to the Starfleet Experience restaurant, wanting to keep it on the friend's side. But Parth is here to deliver the romance menu, and lying about such a romance is a felony. Our schmoopy heroes declare their love. Dr. Miglimo almost outs them as friends, but they declare thruple love with the doctor, declare divorce, and head back to the ship. Meanwhile, Boimler heads to the hotel room, checking out the four-pay toilet, and gets pulled into commercial television. So pathetic, insert Paramount logo. Boimler stays to watch Pog and Dar, a detective show. But up next, more schlock. Meanwhile, Mariner goes to meet Quimp, her Ferengi buddy, who's up for yogurt or shots. She plays Dabo in the library and chugs alien liquors, ready to fight a Ferengi biker gang. Fight, fight, fight. Later, Mariner gets bailed out of jail, and she's angry about nothing, and Quimp notes that she's in an immature cycle of rebellion and trying to get into fights to get hurt. What's eating her up inside? Later, she's hungover, and Tendi and Rutherford are much better as friends. They call into a very, very, very tight conduit to do the science. But Boimler is still watching Frankie TV. Note the TiVo button sounds, and Boims has been recalled to the ship. With Frankie whips, the end. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Pete, we have a tactical analysis of this week's threats. Let's start with Jeef. Yeah, the Ferengi here who wants to unload disruptors on the black market, who is very clearly in league uh, with the next threat on our list. Yeah, which ain't a nothing advancement of the plot there. It's the first time that there's been, uh, shall we say, cross-contamination or cross-communication from this season-long threat, the small pearlescent vessel. Um and here it is taking out yet another ship from another species. Yeah, uh, that something's going on behind the scenes with a Ferengi. You can't imagine he's the only one that's been contacted by this. Uh, remain steadfast in my belief this is the koala. Uh, there's some kind of psychic communication, if not... Uh, you know, direct communication. Also on our list of threats here, and a, a welcome return certainly for Grand Nagus Rom and First Clerk Lita. Just, I mean, look, obviously this is the the Ferengi episode. Every subplot in the episode running through Ferenginar and the Ferengi people. So it's just a logical and wonderful time to to get uh, Max Grodencheck and Chase Masterson back here as they play the dumb cop, reasonable cop routine, which in I and mean, of itself it's, is wonderful. It's great uh, to have Lita be the, the power behind the throne, um, yet at the same time to have uh, Rom appear feeble-minded, uh, obsessed with baseball, but really with his eyes on the true goal the entire time. He is a very stable genius, that Rom. Uh, we, also <laughs> <Stables>. <laughs> uh, we also have as a threat the, 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 the romantic tension, the, 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 the facade of romantic tension, the reality of romantic tension, all of it here, uh, particularly with Tendi and Rutherford. This was the most fun of this episode, and an episode that was a lot of fun to see two of our characters thrust 
willingly into this situation and then regret it and confronting their feelings and something i think it's not going to be the last time we talk about it still i i I appreciate that at least in this episode it kind of defaults to where it left off which is you know uh, we don't need the ferengi television will they won't they we can just you know revert back to the to to the they won't Um, i mean we last left them uh entwined in a jeffrey's tube uh, in, in in a platonic sense but certainly a familiar <laughs> one platonic sense right um certainly pushing the romance and about to lead them to the uh to the the, the, the shuttle box of of whoopee is parth the top-notch hugsierge i mean it it took me the second viewing to get that he was the the parth in the title it was a little difficult to parse uh but come on, one that this guy keeps pushing them together, the dramatic irony that we know they're not, uh, you know, a couple. But then the ridiculous links they go to. Um, I particularly enjoyed one, the lingerie uh, photo shoot that's proposed that they bail on. Uh, but if you notice with the chocolate statues they have to consume of each other uh, later in the episode, in the meal, they are wearing the lingerie in those. And also that uh, apparently it's Ferengi tradition to consume a chocolate statue, not as dessert, but for dinner. <laughs> um, I did notice the lingerie portion of that, uh, of the chocolate statues. But yes, chocolate chocolate for dinner i have to say i didn't catch that and you're right um by the way i think i would agree that parsing parth the parth of the title is a bit difficult i had to rely on memory alpha here to say that uh, the title derives from the british comedy horror miniseries garth Marenghi's dark place so i didn't know that yeah and i I, i've never i've never even heard of that before no me neither um but my point being i think that maybe and look again lower decks is the sandbox where you can do slightly ridiculous things or sometimes very ridiculous things i think if they started with the title garth marenghi's dark place and said hey that sounds like ferengi and then worked it from there to a point where i could you name parth you know gun to your head could you name parth when the episode was done after first viewing probably not but that's how they got there and it's just part of the the delightful journey that uh, that we get taken on here that there's a ferengi biker gang and that they're cast first as just you know super low-key and then of course they fight after that uh has to wind up on our list of threats and just a delightful like the the first representative of the biker gang is the most polite the most concerned and indeed true it's uh um the uh his his counterpart there whose name escapes me the uh the other ferengi um is similarly like you know they're both very very polite to each other in this mistake of oh we tipped over each other's drinks but yet just just to to go from the opposite of expectations when it comes to to the biker gang there um and the last threat pete one that i think could get lost in the kind of boimler tv meta commentary stuff and the fun of rom and lita are back for the first time since the penultimate episode of d space nine not counting star trek online and all of that is someone saying to mariner 
you have self-loathing self-loathing that now comes from no place other than yourself there are no more windmills to fight around you this is a you thing and you might need to work on it you know that's once again also this kind of lower decks lower decks built on this foundation of sincerity and honesty and not you know chocolate booby tassel lingerie stuff it's like oh left unresolved is mariner has some issues here yeah truly you know introspective and i love like you said that it's unresolved that they don't at the end of 24 minutes come up with and it was your fear of promotion all along that what caused the conflict no that we don't know it Boy, if only there was a psychic threat out there that would allow Mariner to look inside. Well, Pete, that sounds like a discussion for the next segment. Indeed, let's use our long-range sensors to scan for theories. Pete, how will Mariner meet uh, a, a psychic reflection story point? Well, I mean, this season-long threat that we've had, uh, I'll call it the koala ship for the first time. Yeah, that can help her appear within and figure out what's eating her. We also, uh, going from the, the this last threat back to the first one that we discussed, Jeef, you know, it, it's interesting that Jeef apparently has had some sort of connection with you know, he says them could be singular, could be plural, um, but that there has been some sort of connection. It makes me wonder, I mean, not for nothing, it's called Star Trek Lower Decks. Are we going to rewind and find out, you know, rewind at the end of the season and find out um, the Romulan Lower Deckers and the, someone from the Klingon Lower Decks and so forth, that this was an inside job for all of them? Um, there being this through line that Lower Deckers want the promotion and want to work their way up. Um, so with all that in mind, you know, do we keep an eye on our lower deck quartet, you know, mysterious messages or what's this space email or something like that as, you know, as we chug through these episodes, certainly at a certain point, we're going to, there's going to be the Cerritos versus the pearlescent ship, the koala ship, whatever the proper title is. I mean, um, Boimler has already had an episode with the koala. How do we know that that hasn't already happened? Um, I would agree. I don't think it was with the degree of implied communication that we've gotten from, um, from Jeef in terms of they're coming. I know they're coming. We made a deal. Wait, this is against the deal. Kind of all that quickly implied in dialogue, but, uh, we shall see. And Pete, I know sometimes looking at episode titles can be a little bit of a cheat. Uh, I do know that next week we have a familiar uh, face coming back. I wonder how that, you know, well, it's called, you know, Badgy returns next week. I wonder how much Badgy plus this ship threat, you know, we might explore next week. I think it's an evil axis. I think it's all connected here. Uh, what are the theories do you have? Love that uh, the Genesis device is still a thing, and now we're making updated portable versions of it. <laughs> it was a nice moment, and I mean, as always, Lower Decks exists in the Star Trek universe, but kind of 
sometimes things are bent ever so slightly. Could I see a place where, yes, Rom is eager to move the Ferengis to legit business and to get out of the weapons business, but, like, you have six months to sell all your stock. Like, it's just this instant throw it all out. Eh, you know, I mean, of course, if you threw it all out, you wouldn't get the joke about the Genesis device and all of that. But uh, if nothing else, Pete, we end this episode with Ferengi, with Ferenginar, rather, the Ferengi people on the path towards Federation citizenship, something that was nigh inconceivable in 1987 Mm -hmm. when the species was introduced. Yeah, with whips and just craziness. Um, To that end, you bring back Grodenchik, you bring back Masterson, but you don't have her sing. You don't have him yell, Lita! Maybe, maybe that's because Mike McMahon and company know that people who have attended Star Trek conventions with Chase Masterson and Max Grodenchik may have heard that anecdote once or twice or every time and that it just it lives in our hearts as a convention experience and thus does not need to be repeated again in the kind of proper canonical uh, sense. What's worse, Matt, Moab 4 inside the dome or Moab 4 outside the dome? Look, that Moab 4 dome was built with purpose, uh, and I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a fan of staying inside the dome when on Moab 4. I mean, it's a artificial biosphere. I don't want to step outside there one bit. Uh, Got to stay safe. Got to stay healthy. Stay inside the dome. What the heck is up with the Cerritos reputation um, as the uh, randiest, Matt, least committed crew, no married couples? They have a a mother-daughter, but apparently are regarded throughout the fleet in such a way. Do I take what Ransom said as 100% canon versus a setup for the situation in the situation comedy show. I mean, I think there there's some room for gray space, but there has to be a least married crew ship of the fleet, right? Like that has, surely that is a measurable thing. Do you have married couples on board? Yes or no. And if the answer is no, um, and therefore that is, that is parsed out to be that they are the most libidinous ship. I, I guess I'll go for it. I guess it would make sense. Um, even weeks when there's not a, a you know naked time, naked now, um, telepathic projection event. Uh, sure, they're just there. They're just there to party. They're just there to have fun. Maybe that explains why the lower decker, who's always wearing a towel, uh, maybe maybe that's why he just feels free to to be in the towel, to be in the little towel. I know you ship them, but I want to know, is your ship named Tendiford or Rendy? Uh, Rendy. I'm, I am uh, ship Tendiford here, especially after they got married at a wedding. <laughs> there's, there's so many great one-liners in this episode. Um, so many great, just, you know, just moments in the script. I was a little surprised that uh, it, it the show took a little dig at having your products placed inside the episode. <laughs> cut to Paramount Mountain, 
Um, How about when the um, the viewer itself is the CBS eye? <laughs> yes, it it's just um, look. I know that I know that in the past week somebody interviewed Mike McMahon for a website, and he, you know he said maybe the show doesn't go past five seasons, and then that suddenly was now make hey let's go check out this article where mike mcmahon says all is doomed pete every show has a final season every show is under threat of not being renewed every show you know the the big takeaway of the article watch lower decks and there will be more guess what i think i don't know if there's declining numbers this not the other but lower decks is doing better than prodigy in that it has yet to be canceled it's doing better than discovery and that it's still around and discovery is there before and so forth like it'll be what it will be no one is calling for a fast end to this show but you know here we are we're watching we're having fun they're clearly having fun making it reminder that they were not strike affected on either the writing end or the acting end so work has continued unabated and when this season wraps up, you know what? I'll see you for season five next August or September. And in the interim, we'll hope in the winter that there's an announcement for, you know, picked up for season six and seven. I'm not how much sure uh, you and I, as a Lower Decks podcast, what more we can do here, Matt, other than talking about it and tweeting about it every week. Um but our, our listeners can add themselves to that. So, yeah, I think it's a little unusual that we would worry about this. But, yeah, there's the precedent with Prodigy. Is this a anti-animation bias at Paramount Plus or it's seen a, a place to uh, cut costs, lower overhead? I don't know. Um, but, yeah. Any other theories, Pete, other than our, our joined theory that this show will continue on and on past season five? The return of Admiral Vassery and uh, Quimp the Ferengi, uh, Mariner's uh, confidant, in the same episode. Yeah, who would have thought that they would look and feel familiar, uh, having not been here since the first season? Um, it, it It's a great return of both. It's a great use of both. Um, again, this being the Ferengi episode where each of the storylines is impacted by it, you know, as you sketch out that conceit, I'm glad that they didn't make Freeman, Freeman, the dumb Admiral Freeman, the bad Admiral, if you will, um, despite her being a captain, like it makes more sense to have a pencil pusher come in and Freeman is the voice of the voice of sensibility that's being ignored. And Freeman is the one who, who saves the day with you know, what is, let's say politically, what is the A plot of the episode? So she gets to shine. Um, all our characters get to shine, I guess, except for, um, except for, um, Boimler, who of course his crime is watching too much television on a television show where <laughs> somebody said, you need to watch plenty of television to make sure this television show continues. It's the snake eating its tail on the back of a koala in space. It is. Uh, is Freeman part Ferengi being able to finagle this deal to pave a path that the uh, Ferengi could join the Federation? 
Pete Freeman is a smart lady. She has done her homework. There's a reason that she is in the captain's chair and she's not back at some starbase, you know, doing the the admin admiral thing. Um, again, she she showed up ready for every reasonable possibility in this negotiating session versus uh, the admiral who's there just to uh, you know get a pat on the back and for it to be for it to be easy and unopposed. Um, again, in a certain sense, you know, I think I think emotionally probably the Tendi Rutherford storyline is the A plot, but in terms of the Star the Starfleet mission, Freeman, you know, Freeman has the A plot and Freeman is the hero here. You are pressed for time on Ferenginar and can only visit one. Do you go to the Museum of Gambling, Haggling, or Bribery? Um, can I go to the library instead? I was just going to say. <laughs> I think the library <laughs> or, is a place the to go. <laughs> and then it could be some sort of like, while I was there, I went to the library. And people who don't know can be like, oh, okay, very nice. People who do know can be like, oh, 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 the library. Got it. Understood. I haven't read a book there in a thousand years. That was great. Um, they, they do go hard, those public libraries. Um, gotta say the couple outfits that they gave, um, Tendi and Rutherford, uh, I really liked seeing them in the, the change of clothes, the upscale, uh, civvies there. Both of them were flattered by the outfits, uh, or both of them looked flattering in the outfits that were given to them. Uh, yeah, it definitely, it worked, it worked for, it worked for both of them. It certainly did. They were working it, uh, the same way Mariner was working the, the old hat with the, the two drink holders there that were Ferengi ears. Yeah. I don't think I follow enough, uh, lower decks animation staffers. I know I follow a couple on, on Twitter, but to hear, to hear that there's people whose sole job is background, you know, which in, in live action would be like set design and set decoration to hear that there's people who their, their only job is props, you know, it's uh, the finger foods on the table, things like Mariner in the, the, the beer ears type thing, you know, it's funny to look at. It makes, it makes sense within the lower decks universe probably makes sense within just Star Trek period. Like there might be a discussion at a production meeting, like, do we actually make these or is it going to look too silly? Is it going to take away from the moment and so forth? But I would believe that there is a, I would believe that in live action Star Trek, there are touristy corners. You know, when you go to the New Orleans French quarter of Ferenginar, whatever that is, where you kind of know it's, it's touristy and kind of faux authentic, but also, you know, safe. And it's the place to go have fun. I would a thousand percent bet that there's Ferengi ears that you can buy and stick your, your, your drinks in there and so forth. Uh, Matt, you pointed it out. I did not see it in Quark's Federation experience bar and grill. Maybe the most Ferengi of experiences. Yes. As, as we look at, uh, Tendi on the left of the screen. There are some shots past her, even farther camera left, where there is a Ferengi female wearing traditional Ferengi female garb, which of course uh, is the nude. Uh, granted, some of the uh, bathing suit areas are covered by 
crossed legs and a uh, a sandwich on top of the table and so forth. But unambiguously, there's a there's a naked Ferengi lady at the restaurant there. Pete, if nothing else, a reminder. You know what? Now that that's now that that's a choice for Ferengi women. Um, I guess just celebrating the, the culture as it was and so forth, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, including going to, uh, you know, going going to a you know diner, driving and dive type place on Ferenginar where you might have a human burger while uh, in the nude. They are in front of the Guardian of Forever cutout there, so for whatever that's worth, <laughs> it'll be. Does someone try and replicate this at the at the next Star Trek Las Vegas? <laughs> I, I guess time will tell. I never got to go to. Did did you go to the uh, Star Trek experience in Vegas? I don't know how I was in Vegas for multiple times in the ten year period that the Star Trek experience was open, and I never went there. I didn't even know it was a thing until after the fact. Um, I certainly. I've been in Vegas with my parents. I mean, you know, it was completely family friendly. I, I would have, in fact, it looks awesome. I don't know how deep a dive you've been, you know, the whole like motion, you know, you get onto a transporter and you know, obviously there's like ride stuff like the stage turns or whatever, but you transport onto the bridge of the enterprise where Riker is on the screen, giving you instructions and there's cast members and outfits. Like it looks like it was awesome. I don't know how I missed it completely as a cultural thing because and and it seems like no one ever had complaints like it wasn't like oh it was actually crappy or the people didn't care the the the, the performers like it I looks like it was the, amazing the pores were generous it was a good time uh, yeah i am uh i've never been to vegas uh i would really have liked to have gone um but what i'm glad is that the old velour uniforms in starfleet uh did not catch fire in this Federation experience. Yeah, that was a fun, a fun little line there. I didn't know that they were fire prone, although I guess in the, it's only in the future when you can look back and say, Hey, those walls with asbestos, maybe not a good idea. Hey, those classic Trek tricorders, as we learned from the lower deck, strange worlds crossover. Sometimes they're, they're apt to explode. Um, so yeah, hindsight is 2020. Not a surprise that you don't have to throw up twice in Dr. Miglamo's mouth, but surprising that he's writing for his home planet's foodie blog. I mean, again, another delightful line where you just go, well, that seems kind of weird. That's like kind of chuckle worthy, but also a thousand percent in line with him, even though I didn't really know he was a foodie. In fact, if anything, the last time we saw him with food, it was kind of, you know, in the style of regurgitated mother bird vomit and all that. Like it's attacking the, uh, the replicator. Yeah. Um, it, just again, a, a great line where it's funny. It's useful to the plot. IE, maybe not that line, but his presence there as a, um, to a certain degree, the Tendi Rutherford rom romance in the episode, fake romance. It's been painted a little bit into a corner. So there he is as the trap door to say, boom explosion of the situation here and in a very ferengi way they're a thruple that's why and they were looking for a deal etc etc you know kind of quickly dismantles that storyline uh, plus we get to learn things about him plus it's more paul f Tompkins. it's just win 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 
it's years down the road, Matt, but uh, surely the Writers Guild has to figure out, is there a back end on hollow novels? It certainly is. It certainly is tough when you've reduced all money uh, from the equation. Um, so who knows? How, how about Pete? Let's hope there's a back end to help those writers. With that, let's open Hailing Frequencies. Hailing Frequencies open, sir. To Twitter we go, where the poll this week. Pete, maybe I was a bit inspired by the, the haze of the episode. Who's the best crewmate to get horizontally stuck with in a Jeffrey's tube? For maintenance purposes. I mean, look, those, <laughs> those isolinear chip junctions aren't going to clean themselves. 21.1% uh, said Mariner. 21.1% said Boimler. Only 5.3% said Rutherford, which I was like, oh, Rutherford. 52.6% uh, said Tendi, um, which is perhaps unsurprising. I don't quite know. Uh, some replies here from, I'll always call it Twitter, K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. I feel like Mariner would have the best stories. Rutherford would just wax poetic about the tubes uh, engineering. Bormler would freak out and Tendi would be too positive about the situation. What a delightful answer to what I thought was just a goofy question. Uh, they go on and say, this is one of the very few Trek Frankie episodes I didn't dislike. Leave it to Lower Decks to make me like those weirdos. Uh, and I see you replied with uh, the old first appearance there as they use the floppy and quite thick whip that shoots <laughs> out blue, blue swimmy guys at everybody else. Yeah, Uh Listen, nobody liked the Ferengi when they appeared. Um, and it's hard not to enjoy this episode. Uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC 139 uh, would like some clarification as to the vote here. Uh, he says, I voted for Tendi, but accidentally voted for Boimler. So my vote went to Boimler, but I really meant to vote for Tendi. So that's one less for Boimler, one more <laughs> for Tendi. the most Boimler thing ever that yeah. you would vote the wrong way. <laughs> so if anything, just some quick math here. Five. We should, it should be Boimler at about 16% and Tendi at about 56% if my math Which is, is right. Because Tendi is the correct answer most positive would be the most fun about it and you know it it would not be a romantic thing it would merely be friendly uh spider ham lincoln goes on to say i've typically disliked most every frankie centric episode of star trek but this latest lower decks was quite good maybe i needed a short and humorous immersion of frank in our culture to bring me around and it was fun to see rom and lita again also tenderford has a nice ring to it Last tweet comes from Diana Bodenberg, who says, I really had fun with this episode. I was really happy that they had Max and Chase voice Rom and Lita. Wonder if Nog is still in Starfleet. I always enjoy a romp in Ferengi culture. We definitely don't get enough of it. I guess we are shipping Tendi and Rutherford. Tenderford? Rendy? I can't wait to see where it goes. And poor Boims. Hopefully he makes a full recovery. Six hours of Ferengi broadcasting? Nope. Look at all the cameos you've had in three and a half seasons now to this point from the original actors as voices. And that's that is another reason to keep this thing going. Well, Pete, keeping us going are those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Wait a minute. Did we just roll into a commercial about an episode <laughs> it, of television? It is sponsored by Sluggo Cola, though. That is, in fact, Pete. 
we couldn't do it without those who support us on Patreon. I'm going to take a sip of my sluggo while you say words. Yes, everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels to choose from, but it takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door and to really help us bring this to you. Can't contribute, though. We understand you can help us just as much. Go to Apple Podcasts, this feed, any of our 33 other feeds, soon to be 34, a total of 35 podcast feeds. Just give us a review, give us a, a rating, get us out there in the algorithm, pushing us out to new people, help grow the audience. Pete, let's keep the Star Trek conversation going. How can people be in touch with you on social media? You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on threads. You can find me on Blue Sky Social at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-L-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,600 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantastic.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and threads where we are, Fantastic as well. But wait, Pete, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek all one word with the p and the h like it today pete we will be back in the pop culture podcast feed tomorrow for marvel monday talking the loki episode 201 premiere and then as we've been talking about one last time or maybe we'll mention it tomorrow as well but one last time for next weekend things switching force friday the 13th we'll be doing the ahsoka season wrap then Marvel moves to Marvel Saturdays, where we'll be talking Loki episode 202. Star Trek Sundays remaining as we talk Gulp, Lower Decks episode 407. The end of that season getting closer and closer. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all listeners and give you the final word. I hope you've been practicing your notarizing. I wish I could kiss her and squeeze her. Excuse me?